Welcome back to Wake Up Winden, a casual conversation about a complicated show. And we are here for the season finale of, episode, of season one, and it is called Alpha and Omega, and I am delighted to be joined by two guests tonight. Um, with me in the room is my wife, Elisa. Elisa, so glad to have you with us. Hello there. Nice to be back. And joining us from Chicago is my cousin, Jer. Jer, how you doing? Hey, Brian. Hey, Elisa. Glad to be on. So with this mega episode, I wanted to have, you know, some of the OGs from Wake Up Wind and people who have been here pre-season three, who have been here all the way. So um, glad to have you both with us. And uh, we try to do spoiler free as much as we can, even though we've all seen um, the entirety of the show, but we'll try to be spoiler free. And um, at the end of the episode, if you have seen all of it, we usually like to stick around and uh, talk a little bit about the show in the context of all of the three seasons. But we'll be spoiler-free until that point. Uh, does that sound good, everybody? Listen, I am so excited yeah. to get down into this episode because uh, I I think that uh, for a finale, this is this is excellent. There's so so much uh, great great content going on here. <laughs> Yeah, so Jer, what did you think of this uh, finale? Me and Elisa watched it together. So let's uh, lead off with uh, uh, some opening thoughts from you. What did you think, Jer? Yeah, you know, I think it, it's really well done. Uh, the song in the middle or at the, the end, I should say, is, is, is one of the ones that, one of my favorites from the show. Um, and and I, I think one of the most important things when you have a season finale is it leaves you wanting a lot more. I mean, but not like, not to the point where you're like, Oh, I didn't learn anything or I didn't understand everything more, uh, leaving you kind of, you know, desiring more and being excited about a potential next season, which, um, I think they do a very good job. of. Yeah. We finally got some answers, right? It was the very, uh, like they leave you with mystery and they leave you with some answers. Like we find out about Jonas being the stranger, which I thought was a really big point. And, yep. um, you know, I missed my joke. I was going to lead off with the story everybody's talking about. Uh, Bar- Bartosh and Martha get back together, but uh, <laughs> obviously, obviously, we're talking we're talking about Jonas a little bit, uh, probably as the main story. And um, let's bring in Elisa. Elisa, what was your um, if you want to bounce off that or go? Oh, with absolutely. Man well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as you said, we have been through this whole series, and. Uh, you know, it's exciting to put yourself back into that, uh, you know, season one, you've been following it. It's kind of this cool new show that, uh, you know, uh, I think many of us have been burned by finales before. And so, uh, we, you know, yeah. you get a little nervous about, are, uh, are they going to be able to pull this off? And um, I agree. I think that the music in this episode... Uh, just really takes it over the top and uh even for people like you know I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a musician or you know I, I'm not a I'm, I'm not a huge uh, expert but what they've done with with a couple of the songs in this episode really um just kind of take it to a master uh craft I think um I also think I agree that with a with a finale you want you want answers. You you want to be rewarded. You want uh, you want some payoff for the time that you put in. And I I do think that we have a lot of that uh, with Jonas with uh, a few of these big reveals that we'll get into. But um, yeah. I also think that 
it does leave you so curious about what's to come. And I, I think they did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get the setup of the battle of the light and shadow, the leaked in shadow. <laughs> and um, you've got, you know, what's going to happen after the stranger ends up blowing up the cave. Um, so there's a, a lot coming into the future. Um, you know, Jonas in the future himself, <laughs> that's going to be a big thing to follow. The actual future. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, so, Jerry, you mentioned the song, um, A Quiet Life was that one, and that's one of my favorites. And I remember seeing on Reddit, somebody had said, this was, you know, months and months ago, I saw somebody say that, how could the song not be about this show? And, um, you know, when they say, like, the hunter becomes the hunted, I, I think of Ulrich. Um, so you want to add any thoughts onto that, Jerry? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, it's a great song. It's, it's you know, very creepy, you know, and I think there are many things... There, there are just a lot of chilling moments in this episode. I, I mean, and kind of, you know, the twins of kind of scariness and creepiness. Like, uh, when he turns around, uh, Jonas, that is, in bed, and then Mikkel's kind of there, and he's not Ugh. saying anything. I mean, that's that's one of the, the kind of creepier moments that, that kind of sticks out in my mind, as well as when uh, Charlotte's going through the newspaper and she sees <sighs> the picture of Ulrich from, you know, back in the day. I mean, that's... That's another scene that's just, it's just so creepy, you uh, know, it's just it kind of bone chilling, you know? Absolutely. That, um, that moment, you know, that you, you can just tell that, uh, in that moment, Hannah, that's her regular job. She's Charlotte. Oh, right? uh, sorry. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Charlotte is, uh, she's, you know, zooming around with this little micro gut and that instant where she catches Ulrich staring back out at her from 19... <laughs> oh my gosh, the 50s. It's just... Uh, yeah, we get a lot of those um, creepy little moments throughout this um, finale. And I... Okay, now tell me, who is the artist of... It's not The National, is it? This song is Tejo Torado, and I'm, I probably am butchering that. I should look up some more songs by him because I really like this one. But yeah, t- uh, it's called The Quiet Life. Search it on Spotify, you'll find it. But <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so moving on, I, can I ask you guys about, you t- Jerry, you mentioned Jonas and uh, the Mikkel moment. Um, what are we supposed to take from that moment? Um, and if either of you maybe have an answer for that, I'd, I'd be curious as what to what do you guys think? What are we to take of him turning over? And, you know, maybe I was expecting it to be maybe Marta, but it ends up being Mikkel. Do either of you guys have an answer for that? I mean, for me, what I feel like is that he, I think it's, you know, things are getting to him. You know, he's, he's bothered by the fact that he knows what happened to his father, but he's, he's not doing anything necessarily about it. And it's, it's starting to irk him. It's starting to bother him. He's starting to think about it a lot. Uh, you know, he does that and then he doesn't, he stops taking his pills. I mean, like, you know, there, there are things he does and you kind of wonder, like, is he thinking, oh, I'm seeing, you know, this because of these pills, you know, and then that, that's when he gets rid of them or, you know, that type of thing. So you can kind of see Jonas is, is not in a good place right now. You know, he's he's struggling. You know, he's he's uh, he's he's really, you know, it's clearly consuming him. He's getting into fights in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Yeah. With his, you know, supposed best friend. Um, and I really liked how he kind of played it off uh, when he came up to Bartosz. Kind of, he was just like, Bartosz is like, you know, where were you? And Jonas is just kind of like, oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> and Bartosz like, what do you mean, fuck? Like, he was like, he was like trying to play it off like he completely forgot about it. Like, that's not going to work, right? Right. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> 
Hey guys, um, you, you bring up Jonas, and um, I had a really great email from a listener, Kelly, that can I just bring up, and I think this could kind of help um, shade our discussion of Jonas. So if you don't mind, yeah. um, let me go ahead and read that right now. And uh, this is about Jonas, and this is from Kelly. So thank you so much for writing in, Kelly. Um, so she says, this was the episode where I really started to feel invested in Jonas as the hero. For most of season one, he's very quiet and numb and stuck inside of his own head. But after ditching his meds, he really begins to unleash his emotions, first in the scene with his grandmother, then in the bunker with his older self. And it was really moving to see him say goodbye to Hannah as he is going back in time to attempt his anti-Marty McFly mission of rescuing <laughs> Mikkel and thus preventing his own birth. So um, what do you guys think about that? Maybe I'll start with Elisa. Um, what do you think of those thoughts about Jonas? Uh, very nicely captured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought so Anti-Marty McFly. Uh, because it is a, there are every so often Dark does do a nice little nod. I think uh, a very subtle nod, but a, a, they do tend to weave it in there. This little bit of Back to the Future idea, yeah. the DeLorean um, in this episode, absolutely. Yeah. And um, uh, I I too have found Jonas to be uh, quite numb and sad, which. I think that's kind of fitting for a narrator in an extremely complicated show like this. We get a nice neutral almost, um, a sad neutral, <laughs> but, um, but I, I agree this episode, um, uh, there is a distinct, uh, difference here. Once we ditch the pills into the gar into the garbage. And I think when, uh, when, when we see Mikkel over his shoulder, um, it's it's a poignant reminder that he he's the he's really the reason this whole uh, we all got invested in the first place right is just this specter of this little boy who is still missing yeah the one wheel and the spoke right um Jer yep. um so what do you make Jer of Jonas kind of you know being emotional in this episode because like Elisa said he has been he has been numb he has been dark and um I was you know I wasn't enjoying as much of the Jonas because like there isn't a lot of dialogue and I like the dialogue in the show even though there isn't maybe a lot of it. But, Jared, what did you think about Jonas, uh, and especially, you know, him breaking out in this episode? Yeah, no, I I mean, I think there's a lot with him that, that you really have to like in this episode. I think the scene with his grandmother is just one of the better scenes in the show, in Absolutely. my opinion. I mean, the, the way he, he kind of goes off and, you know, talks about, like, I mean, I think the, the quote is, uh, now I have another grandma, and she's the principal of my school. Her husband, who's who's fucking my mom, is looking for his son, who's my father. A few days ago, I kissed my aunt. The crazy thing is, there's nothing wrong with any of them. They're okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's great. It's you know that's such a great scene because he's he's frustrated and he's kind of showing his emotions and he's just kind of explaining um, to his grandmother that oh, I mean a pseudo grandmother mm -hmm. how, how crazy the situation is and, and i feel like you know the the show is i mean as as we go episode by episode it gets crazier and crazier and, and you kind of you understand uh, the depth and the complexity of it but but yeah you you want to see a character kind of representing the audience going like this is crazy you know <laughs> like to, to acknowledge it right you know how how nuts this is with the time traveling and and um, you know, with the ancestral relationships, you know, it needs to be acknowledged. And I feel like he does a good job there. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that scene, it, they did such a good job of, of uh, 
bringing in both sides of the story, right? Mm-hmm. We have uh, this teenage outburst, which is so fitting for, um, you know, his age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the outburst is about quantum entanglement. <laughs> So it, it, it's a real, uh, you know, it, it's a it's it's a polar opposite in one package, which I think is a very uh, fitting for the show. Yeah, I find Enos's reaction kind of interesting too. She doesn't have too big of a reaction to all of this. She's kind of like, "Oh yeah, I knew that." <laughs> um, so I don't know what what do you guys think of uh, Enos not being too like, and especially like to Jonas, you know, saying what he said that whole rant he did. Um, you know, you, you at least think Enos would let out a whoa, woo, but no, you know, she's, she's takes it in stride. Well, I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's kind of always known this, right? So, you know, it, it, you would think she'd be more sympathetic to her grandson, you know, and, um, more comforting, but instead she's just kind of like, yeah, this is the way it is. Like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Not, not much sympathy. Yeah, the family relationships in the show aren't too close. Uh, not it, not as close as we. It's totally but. fine for this, you know. Uh, you you keep kissing your aunt. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's in the past. Yeah. You know, it's in the past. Who knows what the future will bring? Who are we to play God? That's what she says about it. So, yeah, you know, it's pretty sophisticated way to, to get someone off your case, I guess. <laughs> um. So the other big thing, you know, Jonas, he ends up traveling. He says goodbye to his mom. He does fight Bartosz, the great scene in the rain. Ugh, great. Um, and then he ends up traveling back in time and uh, presumably to, you know, save Mikkel. But he ends up getting chloroformed by uh, Helga and he gets trapped back in the torture room that we've seen all season. And he meets the big reveal. He meets himself. Um, Elisa, what would you think about this scene? Oh, man. I... Uh... You know, uh, Helga, Helga it's, he's got this sad face, you know, and, and so, you you know, every scene, whether he's a little boy, whether he's an old man, he looks like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, you know, and, um, there, I mean, we got a lot of time with this character today, and, and I could really spend a lot of time talking about um, a lot of these scenes, but... I thought the most powerful scene with Helga today, tough, uh, because him meeting himself and the camera work in that scene is, uh, I, you know, I think my notes are just wow, 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 (laughs) over and over and over. But then we also get these scenes with uh, Helga and Noah. And those scenes are um, off the chain as well. So it's, it's tricky to say, where, where was the best Helga today? <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so you bring up Helga. So we have, um, we have uh, those, those crazy conversations, right, where he's talking about, like, life and, uh, you know, like, free will almost. Like, we almost don't have free will. Uh, Jer, what did you think about these uh, Helga, Helga and Noah scenes? They were pretty heavy. Yeah, they're they're heavy and, and they're interesting. I mean, um, you can tell that you know Helga Helga you know realizes that you know that what they're doing is wrong. He, I mean, he knows it, but at the same time, you kind of you kind of see how he why he buys in, right? You know, and how he gets kind of conned, right? And and how you know he wakes up in that room, right? He's transported when he touches kind of the the portal. 
yeah. with with, uh, with Jonas, right? And mm-hmm. and so you know he he, he kind of travels there, and and you know it, it when the, that many dramatic things happen to you as a child, like it's it's explainable to be gullible and to be duped by someone to to you know to coerce coerced essentially into these these evil acts, you know, even though he kind of knows it's wrong and he, he doesn't want to do it and he doesn't believe in the, the big picture that Noah's trying to sell him. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it, it leads to some good scenes. Um, certainly the, the different dialogues that Noah has in this episode are, are, are really strong, you know, and they're very interesting and, uh, thought provoking. Right. Um, and, and, you know, well done and well acted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks about years ago when I was a boy, a stranger came to us as if he had been in a war, sadness in his eyes as if he wanted to die. He took a room and he heard confused words, but then clear. He said, nothing is in vain, not a single breath, step by step, not a, or, uh, not a single step is in vain. Sorry, I butchered the end of that, but that's, uh, you know, the gist <laughs> no, of it. Yeah. So, and he, he um, uh, you know, Noah, you know, he has this book too. It's kind of like he has the spoilers, um, <laughs> spoilers of the season. So I... I I kind of like that. Um, Elisa, go ahead. What would you want to say? Um, the the resignation in Helga's voice when he asks Noah, "Who's next?" Oof. And you know, like like Jer was saying, you know, um, we we know that uh, that Helga he 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 gets the short end of the stick in this story a lot, and. Um, to, to see this um, clearly just searching for some kind of guidance or something to cling to. And, um, you know, if, if I had the spoilers, I would cling to that too. So <laughs> I guess it makes yeah. sense that he would align himself, right? Yeah. I mean, him knowing his future. I mean, I think that's kind of like one of the saddest parts about Helga is that when he crashes into himself in this episode, Ugh. you know, he gets out of the car and then he sees the older version of himself and he sees that, uh, you know, he sees his ear. And he recognizes it. And, you know, I think we're to take that, you know, he knows what happens to him, right? And I think this is kind of the cause of his dementia because it kind of seems like he's never the same after this accident. And it kind of stops the the killings from happening. Um, am I reading that right, Chair? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's that's definitely part of it. I mean, it's kind of lead to it. I mean, thinking about the fact that, you know, you... You essentially kill yourself later in life to try and stop what the current self is doing. I mean, that's that's such a that's such a it's <laughs> a tough tough uh, tough thing to understand and a tough thing to to come to grips with, right? Yeah, and I want to give this actor, um, I mean, all of the versions, but uh, middle aged uh, Helga. Um, I really want to give him some props because in the scene where he does meet himself for the first time um, in front of the shack, like I said earlier, incredible camera work, but also um, incredible, there's a shift of the camera angle and we see both men staring at each other. And in that moment, um, we can see that Helga sees... um, Elder Helga's uh, missing ear, and the way that his face crumples, oh, it um, you know, again, uh, in the in the rotation of the camera, like we know what's coming, we know we're gonna see the the missing ear, the missing link between these two uh, characters, right? Yeah, no, it's it's amazing the 
writing of the show and then you know like Elisa said the camera work and some of these shots that they give us and um I, I really like how they pan over to it like you said I think that was really cool too um and it then, is it's, it's a great scene it really is so uh we got Helga and Noah going on we've talked about Yon um oh, Yon go ahead Elisa. pardon me go ahead. before mm-hmm. we move away from that scene I just really quickly want to address the incredible Volkswagen and the way that he backs out of that uh, road, he just piles into that wagon and like reverses up the forest road. I, whew, a little German engineering makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, they do such a good job with this, the setting of the time and um, making you really feel like it's the eighties or the fifties or wherever they are, or even changing it like uh, you know the fifty, uh, the twenty fifty three uh, that we see towards the end of the episode. So I think the the setting is always really good and. Um, all the design they have of the, um, all the things in the show. Um, everything is good. <laughs> every, the show rocks. <laughs> um, so, um, okay. So let's, uh, bounce around here. So we'll kind of save the, the ending scene with Jonas and the stranger. I think that'll be good to talk about towards the end, but, uh, let's talk about maybe Ulrich cause he's, uh, ending up in the, you know, in prison here and he's made a ton of mistakes here to get, <laughs> to get to where he is. And, um, I think he's really making a mistake by sticking with this thing of, like, no, I can save them. Because um, there's just no accepting this. Like, he's going to look like he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's going to look like a lunatic with what he's saying. Um, There's no way the cops in the 50s are going to accept this kind of time travel story. Um, Let's let's start with Elisa. What do you think about this stuff with Ulrich here? Oh, Ulrich. He can't, you know... Tragic character, indeed. Tragic hero. Can't can't save himself from his own emotion. Uh, as soon as he finds out, oh, I do know you. Let me quote this 80s death metal to you. Ooh, I love that part, though, too. I know he doesn't help himself. So I love when he goes, oh, yeah, Tiedemann, huh? I know Aegon. And, uh, yeah, he says the line. And if you're watching the German dubbing, he says it in English, and it's it's kind of jarring when he does say it, and he sounds great. Um, covered in blood. <laughs> covered in blood, yeah. Uh, Jer, what do you think about uh, Ulrich in prison? It's, I mean, it's such a creepy moment when he does the lyric. I, I mean, it, it's <laughs> great, you know. It, I mean, it adds to the creepiness of the, the finale. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because he leaves, you know, Helga in that bunker, and, you know, they're like, where is he? You know, where is, you know, where is he? Like, mm. it's just weird. He doesn't, like, why does he not just tell them? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he, mm-hmm. I guess, and like, he's trying to, like, make sure he, he gets off of it or, you know, is presumed innocent. But, you know, no one's buying what he's saying. So, you know, and, and if he did what he did, you know, the, the boy should be dead, right? You know, you locked him in there. It's been a day or two you know, you should at least, you know, give it up, you know, like t- tell them where he's at. I, I don't know. I, I didn't understand that. I, I felt like it, it didn't make sense, but you could just tell he's losing it. He's quoting his favorite rock bands and, <laughs> you know, you could see what type of power he has over Tiedemann too, because he knows the future. So, you know, he can say things like, Oh, have you, have you hit the bottle yet? Oh no, you need to wait for your wife to leave you. Like, <laughs> you know, things that, that normal people can't say, but because he has, the knowledge of what happens in the future, he can he can kind of go there, and that's super creepy too, right? No, absolutely. And um, I think I might have an answer for you for why maybe he doesn't tell about Helga because you brought it up, and I think that's a great point. I think he still thinks Helga's going to die in there, and if he dies, that's going to set everything in motion. And I feel like if he tells them that Helga's alive, they'll save them. 
obviously we know. Okay, so he's thinking maybe there's a way for them to for them to save him. I guess. Okay, that makes sense. I I, I think that's what it is. But I think you bring up a good point, and uh, maybe you know because we know that Noah is going to be the one that helped, like you know, obviously brings him up, right, and kind of saves him from this. So. Um, you know, maybe right. it becomes a point where it's too late for him to save him. I don't know, or too late for him to testify. But um, yeah, he's kind of like an oracle, right? He's he's telling him we won't like this band in the '80s. He's telling him that you know you're gonna be hitting the bottle and your wife's gonna leave you. And imagine being Aegon and then living out your life, and then all of these prophecies kind of come true. That's got to be kind of unsettling, don't you think, Jer? Yeah. Well, I think you know he does probably what what most of us would do, right? He he probably. Shrugs it off. He doesn't. He ignores it. You know, when you sometimes when we hear our futures, you know, in in one way or another in life, we do what we typically do, right? We ignore it, you know. And then it might not occur to him until much, much later that oh, you know, this did happen. You know, it did come out this way. You know, this this prophecy was fulfilled. You know, but I, I'm sure he just kind of thinks, oh, this is a crazy guy that we trapped, and we, you know, he won't give us his name. You know, it, or you know, he won't say where he came from, that type of thing. He's just crazy, you know, and, and probably, um, you know, doesn't give him much credit for it. Yeah, I I, I feel feel for Ulrich, Ulrich in this situation, um, but he has done some despicable things, and um, he really could have made a break for it. Like, he really didn't need to stick around and wait to, like, you know, check his work. He, he should have just got, gotten out of there, I think. So... You know, yeah, well, he's he's just not thinking right, right? I mean, he, he's clearly lost it. That's so, yeah. you know, it, it, I mean, it makes sense that he's in the predicament he's in right now because he's, he's losing it. He's, he, he, he's, he's kind of lost control and, and is, is, is trying to do anything he can to, to, stop what's, to stop what his current situation is, right? Yeah. Right. And I also think there's something to be said for maybe he would have done things differently uh, until he found out that it was Tiedemann, right? Oh, that's a good point. He can't help but needling him, probably. He's like, oh, no way. (laughs) So, no, that's a really good point. His, like, hatred for Tiedemann kind of just, like, sets him in this rage that he can't really see past, you know, the fog that Tiedemann is creating for him. Can't help what we want, that's a, right? That's a great point, Alisa. <laughs> yeah, that was a good point. Uh, well, you know, I think that uh, that's it's very clearly articulated uh, in a couple different ways this series, but especially in this episode that we, you know, we are we cannot choose what we want, right? And I think that uh, we see that very clearly demonstrated in Ulrich. He's kind of the personification mm. of it, really. And um, you know, he can't help himself from. Uh, chasing after his child into a strange cave. He can't help himself from uh, <laughs> quoting his favorite rock band when he gets a chance to needle this guy. You know, I think um, if the people of Winden just showed a little restraint. <laughs> but they hate their town. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Elisa, you bring up, you know, kind of, you know, the path you're on, right? And that kind of leads into, you know, Jonas' conversation with himself where he kind of sets up that, uh, you know, everything that you've done, I've done, um, I am you. And he also talks about how, like, um, it's kind of like, you know, we're stuck on the same path, right? Doesn't he bring that up, or am, am I misremembering this? He does say we're stuck on the same path. Yeah, yes. um, yeah. no, I think you're, you're right. Um, so let's talk about Jonas kind of stuck inside there. So he's uh, he's stuck inside, and 
we see that he ends up seeing Helga after um, Jonas blows up the, you know, the whole thing. But um, before that, he's kind of trapped because uh, Noah has captured him with Helga. And, you know, he ends up talking to himself through the window there. And, you know, you got to feel bad for him because you want him to, I'm sure he wants to let himself out, but he can't for, you know, reasons. <laughs> he wants reasons. To, he wants to, uh, he wants to, uh, everything to be the same, maybe just so he can go ahead and blow up this here cave. So, uh, Jared, what'd you think about this whole, this whole deep scene? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a tough scene, right? Cause, cause you, you like, you like Jonas and, and you, you want him to be all right. And he's trapped and he's talking to someone and you'd think that if it was an older version of you, that that older version would help the younger version of yourself. Like all of us, when we watch that scene, we think, Oh, of course I'd let me, I'd let me out. (laughs) Like, of of course, you know, why would I not do that? Why would I not be helpful? But, um, you could tell the older version, the stranger version of Jonas has been through some things. He's seen some stuff and, and he's, he's of the mindset that, Things need to happen the way that they happen, and I didn't let I myself didn't let me out when I was younger, and I'm going to do the same thing for you, and that's going to put you on the path. But for me, the the way you know we've seen the stranger Jonas this entire season, and he's so dark, and he seems so depressed, and some of the, his lines from the first meeting between him and, and his younger self are just so just terrible it's like well maybe if you open the door maybe we wouldn't get such a you know deep and depressed stranger Jonas right (laughs) yeah it's a good point where are these other doors um I guess his argument is that no you can't open them this is how it always is and this is what's going to happen um which is an interesting I mean it's kind of like the philosophical debate of the show I guess right and the arguments they bring up um so um I you know I think that uh you can see in Stranger Jonas's face that he's a little sad that uh, young Jonas doesn't recognize him. Yeah, he was. He did bring it up. He's like, "You don't recognize me." It's like, didn't he remember that? Yeah. Didn't he remember saying that? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like that part. Like, why is he so upset about that? Yeah, that's a good call. Um, so yeah, he, he ends up leaving him there, right? And when he goes to end up uh, blow off the cave, the the entrance there this kind of time warp opens up where it's a big circle and uh, Jonas can see Helga, Helga can see him. And, the, you know, very instinctively, I guess they just reach out and touch, try to touch each other like a... Big Michelangelo. That's what I was going to say. It's like the Michelangelo <laughs> painting. And uh, yeah. um, it's kind of interesting, though, because they don't really switch places, right? Jonas doesn't end up in 1953. He ends up in, you know, the future, like 2052, I think is probably what it is. Uh, Helga, meanwhile, ends up in the room that Jonas was. So it wasn't quite a swap, per se. What are we to make of that? What do you think, Jer? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it just means that there's some powerful things going on here, right? Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because we've seen Claudia looking at her board with all the pictures and the, the knots and the, the string and everything like that, and now we get to understand that that's in the future, right? That's where Jonas is transported to. And he comes out of that bunker and, you know, all of a sudden we find out he's in the future. We see this crazy flying plane and, you know, this tank and it's very dystopian and, you know, it's, it's good. You know, it's good that we understand where certain things are because we've seen that scene before. We've seen Claudia in that room. We don't know where that's, where that is, when that's taking place. And we can tell it's, 
it's in the future now. Now we know that. And I think that's important for us to understand. Yeah, I know. And like, it's kind of like the first image of the, of the series even like is all these photos and we learn it's a real place. It's not just, you know, um, not just fodder for the, for the intro scenes when Tan House is talking. Right. (laughs) So that is pretty cool. Right. Um, How, how would you like to be in a bunker, uh, See a strange dimension open up with a small boy, touch fingers with that small boy, Mm. and then get transported to a darker bunker where there's a picture of your face on the wall. You know, when you put it like that, I mean, yeah, Jonas is having, you know, it goes from a bad day to an even worse day, I think, so (laughs) he isn't quite the dilemma. Um, Going forwards in time, I don't know, I don't know what's worse. Uh, (laughs) It would be, it would be tough either way. Um... Uh, but yeah, Jonas, and then he gets hit with a, with a rifle. I don't know how the girl knows that he's from the past because she says, welcome to the future, but you know, there you go. And, uh, Must have been something with that <laughs> yellow raincoat. Yeah. It's like a neon flag. Uh, 2019 edition. <laughs> I know it well. Um, okay. So yeah, Jonas, he ends up in the future. So that's where, what's where we'll pick up things with him in season two. So. That's really exciting. Um, do we have anything that we want to say about Jonas? For, and, you know, we could say more uh, moving forward, or we could save it for spoilers. But anybody, Elisa, you want to say something? Oh, we haven't talked about Jonas and his mom. He said goodbye to Hannah, that's right, in a really sad, uh, pretty sad scene, even though he is kind of stoic, kind of leaving. Yeah. Spooky. Um, and it makes it seem like he's just going out and he'll be back later, but... And there's kind of a finality about it, right? Elisa, do you want to go first on this uh, one? Well, so, uh, something. Uh, so I am familiar with both Brian and Jer's mothers. And I was trying to picture <laughs> uh, what would happen if this situation was a replay. Oh, man. We would get questioned from here until, yeah, there would be not leaving the house. What do you mean you're going back to school? What? Yeah, what do you think, Jer? Do you think we could get away with this? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, honey, put on, a, put on a jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, we definitely, uh, they're really casual about parenting in the show. I think me and Jared have talked about it on a few episodes, too. Um, Jared, what did you think yeah, about it? Yeah, it's, it's a hands-off parenting style in Germany, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's laissez-faire, I think, would be the term. Like, <laughs> yeah, at least Three for this show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it. You know, that's that's the way they do it in um, in uh, in Winden, Germany. So <laughs> yeah. you know that that's just how they roll. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, you know, um, I, I think it, it's it, it's interesting. You know, he, he kind of says everything will be fine. You know, and <laughs> yeah. I it, it, it's a touching moment. It's a touching moment with him and his mother, and um, you know, it's. It's it's sad. You can kind of see him kind of understanding and coming to grips with things and, and thinking about what he needs to do to make things right. And he goes to the 80s so casually. You know, like he kind of knows what he's doing and he just ends up in the 80s and, you know, he's there and, you know, he runs into younger Charlotte. It, it, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like just he's, he's being confident about what he's doing. He, he understands, you know, what needs to be done. Um, it, you know, it's just, it's an interesting pro- progression, um, comparing it to, you know, the first episode, right. Where he's, he's confused and he's sad and he's coming back to school and, you know, that type of thing. So it's nice to see that character arc happen over the course of the season. 
And I think that there is a dramatic change, like you said. He so confidently strides into the 80s, he just, like, stomps over this log that <laughs> she's sitting on. Yeah, out. she's like, excuse me, and I'm, you know, just casually drawing some dead birds. But um, that scene is very powerful as well, as brief as it is. Um, you know, she's like, I'm going to bring someone back from the dead. How do you do that? Oh, well, you know, you have to find them when they're younger. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. I, 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 I really like that scene a lot, too. Um, and, it's, uh, a, it's a great scene. I mean, it's, it's just as funny, you know, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of comedy, you know, mixed in with the, the dark and the heaviness and the, you know, the, the, the sad and, and everything like that that goes along with the show. They do have some lighter scenes, you know, even when he's complaining to the grandmother, like (laughs) there is a little bit of humor there, right? You know, and it it kind of lightens things up for a little second before it brings it back down to to dark's, you know, deep level. (laughs) Yeah, we know we need that humor, right? We need we need those little (laughs) moments in the show, and I mean, I think those little moments in like such a tense environment, little stupid things like that can like really make you laugh, and like uh, so like I, I really do like those kind of moments of levity. And I was just thinking about like Jonas, you know, you know, do you think you're ever going to ask somebody, you know, what year, it, what year is it? Uh, Jonas has to do it a few times in this episode. <laughs> I, <laughs> he has no hesitation with it. No, hey, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 He's ready now. It's, he's got to find out. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that in the future we'll be asking each other, is it 2020 as a joke? Or I hope so at least. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, um, yeah. To, to speak to the levity of it, um, I, you know, there is a brief moment of levity, but then we get brought right back down. But, but they're not dead yet. It doesn't change the fact that they, they will, will die. <laughs> that's true. Jonas can't help himself. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's yeah. what makes Charlotte say that, you know, that's what that's what kind of t- turns Charlotte off. And send, she sends Jonas on his way. And, uh, Let's move along, yeah, partner. It does, it does all happen very quick, right? Um, they kind of pull the rug out from under us when he goes into the hospital room and he sees Mikkel and that's when Noah kind of goes, it's really creepy when Noah, um, you know, puts his finger to his mouth and goes, shh. And, uh, you see Helga come out from behind him. And I was just reminded of so many episodes of 24 where I learned as a young child what chloroform was, uh, what's chloroform? (laughs) And my dad would tell me, you know, oh, that's the stuff. It'll, it'll knock you right out. So, uh, I learned about that for, from a young age, but (laughs) very convenient plot device. Um, uh, can we talk a little bit about Charlotte? Because uh, in the future, uh, Charlotte in the present, because I think she's on the she's on the right thread. Um, she's really the only, she's really picking up these thirty three uh, thirty three years thread. My mom's a big uh, roulette player, and oh, she yeah. comes to Vegas and she loves betting on thirty three. So I think her and Charlotte would be you know step and step. It, yeah, Charlotte's obsessed with it. It pays out thirty three. <laughs> yeah. It's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but she does. I, yeah, I, I, she's she's you know she's figuring things out. She's she's piecing things together, right? Yeah, and she finds Ulrich. She's she asks you know her husband Peter about the you know when was it that your dad was kidnapped, and that kind of leads her to look up the news stories from nineteen fifty three. And when she finds him, it is such a chilling moment. And um, it kind of leads to a little bit of a reconciliation with her and Peter. This is the first time we've kind of seen them be close at all. And in the musical montage, they finally share a hug. And maybe they can start to talk a little bit more and kind of get more to the bottom of the mystery. Elisa, what would you think? Maybe she's feeling a little bit bad that she, you know, called him and then immediately hung up shortly thereafter. (laughs) Yeah, she's been kind of hard on Peter. And um, 
Jer, we had Peter and uh, Chanta. I think we had reason to be suspicious of them all season, especially in um, in relation to you know the first the first missing children and even maybe Mads with Chanta. But do we kind of get them a bit of a reprieve with the first scene of this episode? I think we do. I, I, I think they're kind of they're you know they're it's kind of explained that they they weren't doing nefarious acts, right? They they were. You know, they were just kind of, well, Peter was just sitting there, yeah. right? I mean, right. and then all of a sudden, the you know, the the ceiling opens up and a boy falls out. And, you know, obviously Tranta's, you know, he calls Tranta, which is the, the thing you should do and, uh, and the right thing to do. And, you know, obviously it's a very emotional scene with his father and, or with, you know, with Tranta, with, with Mads. And, you know, um I can only imagine what it would be like to lose your son and then to find him, you know, 33 years later, looking like the day you that you last saw him. But, you know, obviously dead, but, you know, in the same manner, yeah, you know, not, place. I mean, yeah. 33 years after you, after you die, your, your body's not going to look like Mads looked like in that scene, right? right. So, um, you know, it's it's got to be gripping. And at the same time, you know, you, uh, you have... Claudia coming down and saying, okay, we need to do this. We need to move him. Like he shouldn't be here. He needs to be found here. And it's interesting if, if she didn't have that rapport as a young child with Tranta, you'd, you'd find it hard to believe that he'd be listening to anyone right now after right. finding his son after 33 years. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. because they, they've been, you know, they've been close their, their entire life. We have like the scenes of Claudia and, and Tranta kind of walking through the forest together and, you know, they've known each other forever, right? So um, you feel like that is someone that Tronto would listen to, even though he's, you know, clearly confused and sad and, you know, all these emotions are running through him. Um, you th- you feel like he would listen to Claudia. Right. You know, and I, I, I agree with you that uh, in the in the moment, it was like, call Tronto. That's, that's the right thing to do. But the moment he came down those stairs, I was like, oh, no, wrong thing to do. Wasn't there anyone else? Could you have called <laughs> the, you know, anyone else? Because, ah, just tear your heart right out of your chest, right? Um, yeah. So, so sad. And, um, yeah, oof. Yeah, and um, I think, you know, Tronto, maybe the reason he does listen to Claudia... Um, and also, you know, he did have that relationship, but she also seems to have answers, right? And maybe all he needs right now is to keep moving rather than to dwell on what just happened. And, and she kind of provides that, right? She's like, I know what to do. We have to take the bodies to where they're supposed to end up. Um, and that kind of sees, we kind of see like how the bodies got to where they were in season, in the very first episode or the very beginning of the season, right? Right. I'd also like to circle back uh, just a little bit further because mm-hmm. um, immediately before this scene... And, you know, immediately before uh, Mads appears, uh, we're at the trailer. Yes, yes, with Benny. With mm-hmm. Benny. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so imagine that you have just been spying. Like, is that, that's essentially so, what he's been doing, right? Or, so Peter, Peter was there. To, he was cheating on, um, on Charlotte at the time, but it seems like he didn't do it this particular time, correct? It seemed that he was already he, in the state of emotional distress, yeah. went to the bunker to yeah. like, think about life, and then, you know, uh, a portal between time opened <laughs> and, a, and, and a child 
uh, thudded to the ground in front of him. That's a good point. He was already in such like in a, a pretty tough emotional state already. And for this to happen to him too, you know, we talked about making a bad day worse and here you go again. Right. Uh, all right. So um, where do we want to move from here? Um, we kind of, well, we get a little bit of Bartosh and uh, I, I tease at the beginning, but yeah, we get Bartosh and Marta back together. Um, uh, Martosh is happening, and uh, I, I want to know: Are there is there no one else in this in this high school from Marta? And uh, I know that I happen to know there are other people from from later seasons, but uh, you know, Marta and like, come on, Bartosh, why are we just why is Marta stooping so low for Bartosh? Can anybody answer this? It's that leather jacket. Yeah, it's the money. <laughs> it's it's the money. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but kind of a light episode for Marta. She's not in it too much. But we do get Bartosh and Noah um, meeting in the in the uh, limousine again, or Noah's town car, whatever it is. And they have a conversation about uh, the battle between light and shadow. And this is kind of, I think it's the first time, Jared, that we're hearing this. Um, do you want to talk about this scene at all? Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 certainly the the. I think it's the first time we're hearing it, but it won't be the last, right? No. <laughs> no, stay tuned. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those things that we're, we're starting to get more clarity as far as what's going on, right? Um, Noah is kind of setting up a chessboard for Bartosh, but it really setting up a chessboard for the audience, right? And kind of going over everything, it's clear that he has a connection with Bartosh and he's trying to take him under his wing, right? And, and as a result, the audience is kind of being kind of told what's going on. You know, and, and, and explain what, what Jonas is trying to do, what older Jonas is trying to do, um, and, and why it's not going to work, you know? So, so Noah kind of understands, like, oh, well, what he's trying to do is, is actually the opposite of what he's going to end up doing and, you know, that type of thing. And, and you kind of get that insight, which is, which is really interesting and it's, it's needed. You know, I think, I think that explanation is, is really needed and, He's, you know, he sets out the, the chessboard of, of light and dark and we're the light. And, you know, although we might not do things that seem light, you know, <laughs> we are the light, right? Um, big, big Saruman vibes here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, even though we, what we may do is uh, shady, we're the light. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> and- Boy. I'd hate to hear what Claudia is doing if what uh, if what they're doing is inhumane after seeing the type of stunts that Noah's pulling with Helga. So uh, yeah, really, they got to be doing some dark shit. I think uh, in the Claudia side, according to Noah, um, I, I really like when he smirks when he when he talks about Jonas. He goes, "There's a moment where he goes, he thinks he's the savior, and he has like the best smirk on his face. He kind of looks at Bartosh like, ah. yeah." <laughs> So. Well, and that appeals to Bartosh, doesn't it? Oh, because yeah, Bartosh hates Jonas at he's this like, point. Yeah, yeah. He, yep. He's looking. Yep. He's looking for any reason to hate on Jonas. He just banished him from the school. Like I, I believe that's what happened. Yeah, Bartosh told Jonas, "Never come back. <laughs> Be gone." So yeah. Um, and he 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 takes he takes takes him to his word. I don't think uh, I, Jonas will never be seen again. He's in the 80s and he's chloroformed and now he's in the future. Yeah, bye school. Barto- Boy, is Bartosh's face going to be red when Jonas doesn't show up to homeroom on uh, Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, let's see. I'm looking through kind of some of the storylines. Um, we say? have not discussed the time machines. Ah, Tanhouse and the Stranger. Um, okay, so we had in the last episode, I think we had Claudia 
bring Tanhouse the plans for the time machine, and we know that the stranger yep. has left the time a time machine with um, Tanhouse. So I think that's the explanation for the two that are side by side. Uh, Jared, do you want to chime in on this here? Yeah, no, I I, I think you're you're hundred percent right. Um, we know that that he was working on it for the stranger Jonas, and I, I feel like the. I think it was one of my favorite parts of the episode is when the music plays and you see the time machine kind of coming up and the oh. little like gadgets going and so everything cool. like that. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's another really neat moment in the episode. No, it's unbelievable. I love how they do that. And um, there's like these yeah the little knobs that like shift from like white to black and they move and they're inter- interlocking. Those are so cool. And yeah, exactly when they start playing a quiet life and you see those go up, it's so cool. Yeah, really a mystical. Um, you know, we we know that uh, there, there's a lot of science involved, <laughs> but um, the effect is magic. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the flickering of the lights, the spinning of the solar system um, across uh, dimensions and ages, right? And I think that uh, there is something that Dark does a really good job on of blending both of those worlds. The, the mystical and the uh, physical, the science, right? And um, just, uh, yeah, uh, we've discussed this yeah. montage. I don't need to wax poetic yeah. again. <laughs> the lights flashing when everybody's seeing it is so cool. And like, it's kind of like that science-y, like, oh, something's happening scientific <laughs> right wow. now. You know? um, I like how you see everybody across the generations. You get people from the 50s all the way through the present time. So I thought that was cool. Um, Hey, Jared, we had talked last time about I was I was being critical of uh, Tanhouse saying, how is he going to keep that battery alive for 33 years? And you were saying, you know, he's pretty smart. He probably can figure that out. And we do see in the last two episodes that he has, of course, rigged a battery that he's allowed the cell phone. So my bad on that one. You were right, Jared. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's got some double A's connected to the back of that cell yeah. phone, right? Got yeah. hot wired. Yeah, so teach, he needs to teach me that trick in case you know my battery dies like that. I could you know rig it back together. Looks like a yeah. Look, it looked like a Game Boy for a it moment did. there, yeah. actually. Yeah, um, <laughs> would have really blown him. <laughs> that really would have been a, a th- thrown him for a loop. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the Tanhouse stuff. I mean. Um, uh, he's always an interesting character to follow, and he's kind of the narrator of the show. So um, that you know. all my life has come together for this one moment. You know, that's pretty interesting. I was like, that's pretty sad in this darn clock shop, in this dark clock shop, talking to Jonas the Stranger. That's his, you know, the the crucial uh, fulcrum moment of his life. I mean, I mean, what what have I done? I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so. Anything else from the, the the main part of the show before maybe we can talk about spoilers for a little bit? Um, I do. Uh, one other um, component is we, we did... Spe- okay. Mm-hmm. Let's not skip over poor Mikkel because Mikkel has had a short end of the stick in this show. And we actually spent a lot oh. of time with him. And Enos. Uh, and Enos yeah. in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Especially... In regards to the, uh, you know, being from the future and uh, the beautiful description of, uh, I'm going to slaughter this, I'm so sorry, uh, Master Schwab's paradox. Oh, that was interesting, yeah. I dreamed I was a butterfly or a butterfly who's dreaming it's a person. Yeah, Jerry, what'd you think about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a cool scene. Um, you know, it's, are you a person or a butterfly? I mean, I, 
I'd rather be the butterfly, but that, that <laughs> please be, let uh, me wake. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd all. I think we're all hoping we're going to switch places with the butterfly right now. So. <laughs> um, I did. Yeah. So the master's wine paradox, Elisa. What do you think about that? Uh, um. Well, you know, I I think that uh, like I said earlier, the spectacle of Mikkel is uh woven throughout this story, and um. He does kind of seem to be in this mystical space in between, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, there's also a little bit of this, uh, they're a little gratuitous with the, uh, yeah, we're just going to adopt him. <laughs> and, and, it goes quick, doesn't it? Well, yeah. and, and, you know, I, to their credit, they yeah. do say, you know, we can't just do this. And, uh, yeah. but then they do. So, you know, apparently they could. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's good that we didn't have, we could have had a whole side story of the, you know, the adoption process, but they kind of just sped it along, I guess. But, um, yeah, Enos is interesting. Jared, um, I think we talked about this before, too. Mikkel's still up to his same old trick. You know, one-trick pony here. Does, can, can he learn something else? Yeah, no, he, he, he loves the cup game. Yeah. That, that's one of his faves, you know. He, he likes it. Now he's got sugar, sugar cubes, so... Uh, oh, a twist. Uh, he's got a better audience now. Yeah. You know, the audience is yeah. a little more captive <laughs> than in the modern day. <laughs> That's true. You know, Enos is like, okay, great. Gonna... Satan. <laughs> I know. Oh, I did, uh, before we before we move on to, I did like that uh, we got uh, Aegon in the 50s talking about, are, are you a Satanist? Uh, and I think maybe Ulrich uttering that creator line kind of sent him on his lifelong path of thinking everybody's a Satanist, so... Um, I enjoyed seeing that scene. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that's almost all the storylines I had. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think I think we can move into spoilers unless uh, anybody stop me now. Unless. Nah. Oh. Yeah. All right, we'll go to think, Yeah, we're good to move into spoilers. All right. So um, if you have not seen anything past this episode, you can uh, quit here. Um, if you ever want to leave feedback for the show or email the show. Um, like Kelly did, you can write in to wakeupwinden at gmail.com and uh, just let me know what episode it's for and I'd be happy to read um, your email on the show and what you think about it. I have one thing from Kelly's email I want to save for some spoilers, so um, I'll bring that up then. Um, otherwise, you could follow me on Twitter at wakeupwinden and I think that's enough time um, as I gave out my plugs for the spoiler people to get out of here. So, spoilers are now fair game. You have been warned. Whee! All right, here we go. So, um, can I start off by reading this uh, email from uh, the rest of this email from from Kelly? Yeah. Um, she mentions yeah. she mentions Claudia, and she says one of the things that surprised me rewatching season one is that Claudia doesn't appear in that many episodes compared with her screen time in season two and three, though her role in the finale establishes her as one of the most important players in the game. I really love all three versions of this character, especially the eldest eldest Claudia who has shown me the badass old lady I'll aspire to be after the apocalypse, <laughs> assuming there is one, <laughs> even one, or um, assuming the apocalypse even waits until I'm old. Uh, really satisfying to see Charlotte figure out the time travel clues, too. Okay, so um, I think that's a great point, because Claudia really isn't in the season as much as um, in the last two seasons. And I think um, we find out like characters like Tranta are really important in the third season. So I like how they're set up, like Kelly was saying. But they don't kind of hit us over the head with it too much. We kind of trinkled, uh, they kind of get sprinkled in, but they're there enough where it's going to pay off later. Um, do any of you have a response to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, Claudia is my favorite character. I, I totally agree with yep. Kelly. I mean, 
she's she's I think she's the best character in the show. I mean, me personally, and um, you know, it's every scene she's in. I feel like, especially the older Claudia, is really interesting. And and you know, how many times she kind of references maybe mistakes she made when she was younger, and you know that type of thing, and. It's always just really interesting, and, and we see that she's strategizing in the bunker with all the pictures, and um, you know, I, I, I just I, I really enjoy her as character. I feel like she's she's um, you know she adds such a, a great element to the show. I think that the show has done is such an incredible job with the casting and the uh, especially with Claudia's character the. The costume, the styling choices, she, there's so many times where it's just Claudia in the screen and her face is lit up in some, and, and it doesn't matter whether she is, you know, in the 80s with, first of all, I stan 80s Claudia. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, that's a starting the revolution. <laughs> 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 We're all going back to the 80s. She's so stylish. Oh ladies, my gosh. So. Uh, everything about her. But um but also, you know, they 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 it, with uh, with older Claudia, um elderly Claudia, there's a couple times uh like in the musical montage mm-hmm. where I mean, it's almost like a painting, like a like a, some other world this enigmatic creature um you know, when they show her in the montage in and the there's cell. a little mm-hmm. bit of, a tiny bit of snow in mm-hmm. the air. And she's holding this giant <laughs> a musket. Like yeah. I don't know, <laughs> futuristic gun or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Futuristic um, gun. Yeah. Yeah, and and it, you know they just uh, the way that her character is is, you know, it's almost like sh- she's the most immortal. You know, um, there's something yeah. really cool about that. Well, she gets killed a few times and she still comes back, right? I mean, hey, yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, she's great, and um. You know, you talk about like the cost, like uh, the costume design. Her, how about just like even her, uh, her eyes are two different colors in all different times, and that's part of her character, right? I think uh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, you know, it ends in a IA. <laughs> I can't, I can't even do it. Uh, it ends in a yeah. <laughs> heparotemia. I don't know, <laughs> um, but yeah. So she's, you know, she's great. Um, what, what what stuck out to you, spoiler wise, Jer? So for me, um, the part that I, there were two parts that were really interesting. Number one, when Noah's talking to Bartosh about, you know, what's going on and he kind of explains to, to Bartosh and to us really the kind of the game plan. Right. And, and to see that again, having watched all the seasons was, that was really interesting to me. Um, and kind of talking about how, you know, Claudia tricked Jonas and he's never going to trust her again. And, that type of thing. And it, it, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen that yet, but, but we, you know, it's, it's nice foreshadowing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, we have the scene where he talks about, you know, a man that looked like he came from a war. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that, that about. scene is, is really cool. Uh, and he talks about, uh, I mean, we talked about it earlier in the podcast, but uh, nothing is done in vain. You know, and, and he says it very clear, but everything else he was saying before that didn't make any sense, right? But when Noah hears that, it does make sense. It clicks with him. So um, that, that's a really cool scene and a really kind of chilling scene uh, to add to the episode, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
and we found out, like, didn't we talk about Jer how, yeah, it was Noah eventually too? Like that, that, uh, he, we thought he was talking about Jonas, but it ended up being Noah. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, um, we, we, we did, right. We, we, we realized that, um, it's when that, his, uh, child has gone missing. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about this? Because, yeah. okay. So I was trying to go back. So his child goes missing, right? Because, uh, Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte takes, Charlotte takes her, right? Charlotte and, uh, who was with Charlotte at that point? Is it Claudia? No. Uh, Charlotte and Elizabeth take her, oh, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Charlotte and Elizabeth take Elizabeth. And then, right. and then so, like, that sends Noah, because I'm trying to follow the thread. So Noah goes back to 1921 or whatever, right? And that's that's when he goes to the to back to where he was from. And what does Adam tell him? Because, like, I was trying to think, like, yeah, what is the reason they're doing all of this? Like, I was even trying, like, I've seen the show, and I'm trying to remember. What is the reason Noah's doing all this? So what does Adam tell him? I'm trying to remember. I, you know, Brian, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't neither know. do I. I yeah. yeah. That's totally I, okay. I, I, yeah. I don't remember. But I think <laughs> yeah. what, what he's referring to there is there's a scene in, I think it's, oh, I forget, but I think it's in season two where Jonas goes back in time, right? Uh-huh. And he ends up in that room, and we meet younger uh, Noah, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think he's referring to that time period. Yeah, yeah. He comes from the future. He's got the the uh, the noose around, like the noose scar around his neck, and you know, that's what he's referring to. Is He's talking about Jonas being there from the future and looking like he was in a war because he was from the dystopian future. And mm. and kind of his mutterings in the middle of the night, right? I mean, that, that's what I took it. Okay, so I did take it like that the very first time I saw that, and then I thought we talked about in season three when uh, when like it's revealed that Noah comes back. I thought maybe we had maybe speculated that it wasn't actually Noah, it was or it wasn't actually Jonas he was talking about. It was actually himself he was talking about. But maybe but I, I could oh. be wrong. I could be wrong because he comes back and sees himself in 1921. I, I believe. Remember, doesn't he get he does. No, he does. He, he stays in the hotel and everything like that. Yeah, but I I think because he describes him as being, looks like he came from a war, Yeah, I don't think he's referring to himself. And mm. the camera cuts to Jonas, too, like, while he's making this whole speech. So, like, we're, we're yeah, close to thinking he, Jonas. He, he didn't, like, he, um, no one is always pretty well put together. You know? Okay, and good he point, really good point. Time. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's put together, but... But Jonas, on the other hand, is, is not, or Jonas isn't, like, well put together when he comes back, no, you know? No, he's, he's, he's just coming from the future. Like, he's, he does not look uh, well put together. To be honest, right? I'm, right. Su- I'm, I'm a little surprised that Dark didn't choose to overlay um, that exact, uh, you know, they, they, they often reuse uh, the exact same phrase, uh, uh-huh. whether it's said by the same character or not. Sometimes it's repeated by somebody else. But I'm I'm kind of surprised that they didn't choose to overlay that exact same uh, text or script right over that scene in the in in, yeah. in season three. Because <laughs> sometimes they do help us, like with uh, you know, like with like what you're saying, like they have the voiceover when they have the cut on Mad's chin, and like they, they he's in the morgue, and then like you rem- Ulrich remembers Yana saying, "Oh, he uh, you used to fight over that, and he cut his chin on the table." So like they do help us in some cases. So yeah, it's interesting that they didn't like re- refresh us back to that. But, um, I do love that. I, I really think it's cool that uh, that he says this, and it does come back. It takes a few episodes, but it does come back. So mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. cool. 
Um, yeah, no, and you know, maybe that was a scene that they filmed and they didn't, they, they cut it, they left it on the editing floor. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, who knows what's left on the, there's a lot somewhere yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. left on yeah. the floor. Yeah. Um, there was, now we, we've discussed the scene in great detail, mm-hmm. so I, you know, we don't need to spend a ton of time, but, uh, I, I almost, I, I caught myself because it is a spoiler, um, but, you know, uh, when Charlotte sees Ulrich's face in the newspaper, uh, there was a double layer of that for a spoiler effect because we know that he'll be there a long time. Oh yeah, he'll be there forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I know. That's forever, right. essentially, right? Yeah, he's he's, and it's really an interesting choice the show makes because you know he is one of the main characters of the first season. This actor is not in the show too much more. I mean, I know he's in the end of uh, season two, but. And he's in it a little bit, but um, there's not a lot of Ulrich. And when it is Ulrich, a lot of times it's the older, um, the older actor. So the older actor, and, yeah. And re- yeah. remind me, mm-hmm. don't we open or don't we like uh, the very first scene with Ulrich um, in season two is older Ulrich? I want to say yeah. It's middle aged. It, uh, it, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think the first time we see him, like it reveals him when Aegon goes to visit him. Um, and like they call him the inspector and like the camera pans around and it looks just like him, even though it's a different actor. The long hair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ugh, so I think so it sad. is. So sad. Um, yeah, that's brutal. Um, Jonas, I want to try to put Jonas in context. Um, so Jonas before the season, before season one, he was hanging out with Claudia for a very long time. Correct. Jerry, like, was there anything else he was doing? Um, I'm trying to remember what, what was he, he was up to. He was with Claudia with the white orb, right? What what else was he doing? Right. I mean, they. It, I think it's it's alluded to in the end of maybe it's like season two or whatever. But at a certain point, he kind of like casually says, "Oh yeah, Claudia and I have been ta- time traveling for like the last twelve months or something like that." <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Remember, it's like yeah, it's like kind of casually put out there, like yeah, we've been hanging out for the last twelve months, like time traveling, like. <laughs> She's showing me the ins and outs, you know, that type of thing. It's it's training on the job, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. They're trying to fix, I think, if I remember right from season three, they're trying to fix the the time-traveling goo particle, and they're trying to make it work again, and they keep failing. And I think it takes, like, like Jonas Jonas turns from a boy to a man in in that time period, so we're supposed to think he's there for a long time. Well, and isn't there this... But But I think, does it, don't... When, when Jonas is younger, though, doesn't he travel with the older Claudia for, like, a little bit? Yeah, he does. He goes, yeah, I think he does. He goes with the older Claudia. He also goes with the middle-aged Claudia because he finds her after she kills Aegon, and he gets her to go with him. Ah, yeah. Right, right. But so he, he's with the older one for, like, a period of time, which is, like, I don't know. I, feel, I, feel, I don't know why I feel like it's 12 months, but, you know, it's like, a, it's like a long, it's a good period of time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in the future, he's with the middle-aged Claudia, right? And, and they're, they're working on the, something to get them back to the past, right? Yep. Um, you know, it's whatever type of formula and setup they can kind of work to get you back to the past, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I've got kind of a plot hole, maybe, or uh, uh, or something to talk about with Mikkel. Because hmm. um, we know that Enos in the future, she she ends up drugging him, and that's kind of how that's kind of the explanation for why he doesn't just like go back to the path or go back to the cave. Um, so, like, what I was wondering is like, how does like why like he could have tried this unlimited amount of times? Like, he goes once, and I think Noah stops him, but. 
Um, what's to stop him from going back? You know, he never tries to go back again. He's content to live in the 80s. Um, the explanation later is that Enos is drugging him, but I just kind of wonder, like, what's going on right now? Hmm. Well, you know, I... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think he's just... He's probably just confused, you know, and, and, and just kind of frightened by the entire experience, right? I mean, that, that's at least what I take. What, what do you think, Elisa? Well, I think uh, they... We know that he undergoes trauma um, because clearly, but also, uh, you know, the effect later in life where he does take his own life. Uh, we know that there's uh, this is a child who has suffered immense trauma. And uh, I think that he really he says it himself. He's in between. He's both. Right. He's both the butterfly and the person. And I think that you know, uh, even though he's a kid, I think that reality sets in fast for him. And uh, to be fair, do we? Does he even really understand how he traveled in the first place? You know. No, I. Yeah, and he he wakes up in the cave, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe, I mean, it's it's a lot to put together too. Maybe uh, maybe he wants to stay away from the caves too after having such a traumatic experience by them. So yeah, fair point. Yeah, and. You know, Brian, it's not to say, I mean, we don't know that he didn't go back to the caves. You know, he could have gone back to those caves, gone in it, and then that's it. You know, nothing happened. You know, and maybe they just didn't show that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you need kind of certain things to for the caves to work. I don't think he had that going quite yet in his time frame. Okay, so, I think that's a good point because, yeah. uh, you know, we, we there has been this established uh, kind of time and place and, you know, if you are if you just happen to be in the right area or you, it happens to be the right, you know, combination. And I think that's very... Because uh, we know that there are several characters who never escape, right? Yeah. <laughs> that are... that. Uh, so I guess it's not unprecedented for McKellett, but it's sad nonetheless. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Does the explosion ruin the, the the cave in the 80s too i don't think it does because ulrich tries to lead him there later but I was, I was just trying to piece that together like if they if he makes that explosion happen like is is that going to affect the 1986 loop i guess is what my question is yeah i, I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of the I, I, that one's yeah that one's beyond me yeah no i mean me too i i don't know but uh yeah, all good questions, I think. <laughs> to be yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. So then, okay, let me, in the original uh, release of Dark, uh, were all were all the seasons released at once, or was there, there was a significant period yeah. between one, season one and season two? Yeah. How long was it? Probably about a year. I, I don't know, because I... Yeah, maybe a little over a year, yeah. I'd say. When I started, both season one and two were available, but I think I, I finished, I, I was starting it when season two is just like coming out so i do think that it took like a year and a half for season three to come out after that so probably about a year year and a half okay you know? but yeah it, i i know i i watched um season one and then i then then it was over and i had to wait for season two when mm-hmm. i originally watched the show mm-hmm. um, oh, you're early. yeah early and, and i i yeah and I, and I feel like it was a decent amount of time between season one and two yeah you know yeah, it is interesting because I think they from, wrote it from my memory. I guess yeah, they did write it with uh, you know like 2020 in mind and 2019 because I think it was written in like 2017. So like they tried to set it a little bit in the future and for whatever reason, yeah, maybe they liked the years 86 and 53 to use with the show. So I don't know, but it's it's cool. 
Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap things up here? Like I uh, nothing, out, nothing for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just another big shout out to the score. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very, very impressive. Uh, very impressive playlist for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one is great. Yeah. I, I really do love the song at the end. So, um, yeah, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Um, yeah, if, uh, write in to the show if you'd like to, wakeupwinden at gmail.com. And if you uh, could and you like what you're hearing, if you could give us a five star review, that really helps, at least I'm told, from people in the podcasting now. So <laughs> thanks so much, everybody, and thanks for being with us for our, all of season one. And uh, we have season two coming up, and uh, we'll be working on that. So thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>